0: what is going on everybody welcome into the extra points nfl podcast gabriel fluellen here hope you guys are doing good happy monday how was your weekend hope it was incredible and once again my goodness week two did not disappoint and we still have two more games left for tonight which I can't wait to preview for you guys, and hopefully you guys are listening to this um, as I release it early Monday, so you guys can get the the preview in, but if not, I mean, hey, it's always, if you're listening to it later, or maybe after these games, it's always fun. I like to just, I I love listening back to old things, or old takes, or something like that, even after things have happened, and just kind of like fact-checking whoever I'm listening to, like I'll read an article or something like that, and I'll be like, oh, top five bold predictions for week one, and I'll be reading it like two days ago or something, way before week two is supposed to start, or even even afterwards, and just check back and kind of check and see how the person or person that wrote it did with their predictions and stuff. But, yeah, oh my goodness, I'm already getting way ahead of myself. There's just so much on the docket to talk about today. I'm hyped. It's it, Oh my goodness, I, I, I just cannot even believe how ridiculous these games have been. And it, it's just like last week, because for most of these games, a good chunk of them at least in the early slate, they all sucked, again, at first, I mean, there was not a single exciting game, because Jets and Browns, I mean, that, that's, that was probably the closest game for the first, what, three quarters, it was only ever, like, 14 to seven, every other game was a blowout, or just a slobber knocker, like, a, just a boring one, a barn burner, whatever you want to call it, I mean, Commanders and Lions, the Lions were winning, like, 22 to nothing at one point, Bucs Saints? What? It was three to nothing until like damn near halfway through the third quarter. That sucked. Giants and Panthers was just a festival of incompetence for most of it, even though they occasionally got some scores. Patriots Steelers. I I wanted to burn my eyes. It was so bad. I remember telling my father. My father and I were just hanging out downstairs Saturday night or something like that, and he checked the TV and we were talking about wondering which games we would get. Check the TV. And it said um, Patriots, Steelers, and I think we had, uh, I I cannot even think of the other. Oh, yeah, we had um, Giants, Panthers. Um, And so for the Patriots, Steelers, I was like, wow. I mean, those are two like marquee teams, but I guarantee it's going to be like 13 to 10. And I was honestly pretty close because it was like 10 to 3 until like the third quarter or something. I was like, oh, my God, I, I, I can do this. I can, maybe, did I just predict the score right? But anyways... The Colts-Jaguars, that game wasn't ever close. The Dolphins and Ravens, that one was exciting, but the Ravens went up by 21 points at one point, so that game even looked like they're out of it. Um, And then even continuing into the later slate, Rams got up 28-3. The 49ers-Seahawks was never close. God, there's so many things to talk about in that game. I can't wait till we break that down. Bengals-Cowboys was just slow, monotonous, and boring the entire time. My little brother Alex said it best. So he was just saying, like, this is this is this is like one of the most boring games I've watched in my life. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you're you're pretty darn right, big 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 guy. <laughs> Texans, Broncos, it was like six to six for god knows how long. Raiders were blowing out the Cardinals up until the end, and then the Bears and Packers, it was a boring, just run-filled game, and the Packers eventually pulled away. They they were not good games for probably I don't know I mean my father my father said it said it said yesterday. it's like all these teams just forgot that they were playing a competitive football game for fifty eight minutes and then the last two minutes of every game they they just wake up and just go off every single team it, it was ridiculous just how quickly the flips the 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 switch flips just like that, how it goes from a either non-competitive or so competitive it's bad game in the Saints-Bucks case or so non-competitive game in like the um, Texans and Broncos case like it goes from that to just one team scoring a bunch of points or the team's just trading blows or if it's a case where like the Raiders are blowing out the Cardinals all of a sudden the Cardinals just come roaring back out of nowhere it's insane and we got a bunch of almost overtimes again this week it 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 was crazy game-winning field goals missed game winners just so much exciting stuff like that and I cannot wait to break it down for you guys but yeah so it's going to be a bit of a long pod today I hope you guys like that I I heard back from a couple of you guys saying the the longer it is the more you guys enjoy it I guess like pause sounds a little weird but uh, pretty much just a lot of people saying that they would not mind a longer pod. So I'm more than happy to do a longer one. It, it I, I like it because it helps me go in a little bit more depth into these games. I'm not going to be spending a half hour on each because we'd be here all freaking night. But it, 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 it's going to be better because I can get more than just, oh yeah, this team did that and that team did that, the end. I, I can get, get into a little bit of the minutia, stuff like that, and really pick apart what set these games out. But yeah, so I have that. I want to at least talk about the Monday night games, what I expect to see, my score prediction, something like that. And then last but not least, I have a little bit of a segment that I'm going to call In or Out. And it's essentially, I have about 10 teams that I've been asked my opinions on the most. At least thus far in the season, and especially after this week. So these are 10 kind of, I guess, controversial teams, whether it be from a win or loss this week or last week or both. And they're the ones that I keep getting the most questions about and I am questioned about. So I wanted to say if I am in or out on the team as a whole. Whew. Like I said, a ton on the docket today. Hope you guys are really, really pumped for it, excited for it. Hope you guys had a great weekend once again. And I mean without further ado. Let's, let's jump right into the very first game, and like I mentioned in that little little ramble at the beginning, this was the one that was the most kind of competitive all the way through. I don't think a team ever got up by more than, I don't know, maybe two scores, not not even, um, and that's in the Browns and the Jets. I think like the largest disparity was, I think, when the Jets were down 13 with about two minutes left, and we'll, we'll get into that. It started out... Just boring. I got it started out exactly as we went over in the preview, just the Browns being a run-heavy team and the Jets kind of inept behind Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco had a couple fumbles. He wasn't completing as much as he wanted to, and the Browns were just having Jacoby Brissett take the third manageables and just pounding the ball with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And honestly, it worked. Nick Chubb is. I think he already established himself as an elite running back, but I think every single game we see him, he just more and more cements himself as a solid running back. He's not super special or flashy like a Christian McCaffrey uh, or a Jonathan Taylor who can catch a ball and take it 60 yards or juke someone out and use super speed to beat him. He's, he's just more of your prototypical runner and... He just does it so well. He's so efficient just on the ground. He hardly ever gets hurt, knock on wood. And, yeah, and, and that, that's kind of how it was. Uh, He, he kind of carried the team, I guess. He carried the load pretty much the entire time. On the Browns' first drive, they got a touchdown thanks to him. And, yeah, so kind of went back and forth this game. It went kind of touchdown, 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 kind of a little bit of a stalemate jets tied up and then going into halftime i think it was it was tied and then the browns kind of pulled away and this entire game the browns looked like the better team which is weird to me but towards the end is when things started to go horribly wrong for them and when i say by the end i mean the last two minutes of this game things went wrong because the Browns scored a touchdown, I want to say, with, mm, what, like two minutes left, I think it was? I think it was 155. And the big mistake here is, well, maybe not big big mistake, but Nick Chubb, instead of running the clock out, um, I think he had, well, he ran past, they, they, the Browns were in the red zone, essentially, and Nick Chubb got a carry. He could have went down after picking up the first down, which would have essentially just drained the clock and ran the timeout, but he ran it in for a touchdown. And honestly, at the time when you just score to make it 30 to 14, and the extra point will make it 31 to 14, you're not thinking of that, especially not with a minute 55 left, because that would mean that a ton of things would need to go right. The Jets would need to score a quick touchdown, onside kick, recover that, score a quick touchdown, make both extra points, and then go to overtime and win it again. But yeah, after that, the Browns had a ninety-nine point nine percent chance of winning, and kind of from there, everything went to hell. Hell in a handbasket is is the saying, and so Nick Chubb scores it, and then their kicker, Kade York, he misses the extra point, and that was kind of the moments. It was a moment of kind of just just foreshadowing. Saw him miss the miss the extra point, and I was like, well. That's not going to that's not going to come back to haunt them, is it? And dear god, did it come back to haunt them because the Jets get the ball back and what they need to do essentially is score as quick as they can. And they do in two plays. They just have a short little pass to pick up some some yardage and then I think it was Corey Davis who just broke free somehow all alone wide open in the secondary so much so he can just walk his way into the touchdown and to the end zone for the touchdown. That's exactly what he did. And uh, my father and I were watching it. And then um, we saw Corey Davis kind of showboating. Like he just walked into the end zone. My, and my father was like, come on, dude, you need to get into the end zone. I mean, you, you don't have much time to be dilly dallying and time. We're just like, yeah, I mean, it, it's whatever. I mean, there's a minute and a half left still. They're kicking it back to the Browns. They're They They lose. So then the Jets need to go for the onside kick. And they did and they actually recovered it. And then at that point, I'm like, oh my god, no way this is going to happen. So have a little under a minute and a half left. And then Joe Flacco needs to lead this drive. Really, and sure enough, he he does. He works them down, gets into um gets into the red zone. And then you're you're like, oh my goodness. No way, no way that this is actually going to happen. Joe Flacco throws an incompletion. You're like okay, Joe Flacco throws another incompletion. You're like oh okay, so Browns are just going to hold him here. It's third and ten. There's less than thirty seconds left. Whatever, game over. And the very next play, Garrett Wilson, who previously hurt himself in this game, it looked he landed wrong on his back going out of bounds. I was like oh my god, that looks horrendous. He was back in this game, and then he catches a slant for 15 yards and get the extra point, and then all of a sudden, the Jets are ahead. And there's, what, 20 seconds left at this point? So, I mean, the Browns get the ball, and they try to do what they can. I mean, Jacoby Brissett picks up a bunch of yards on a scramble. He wanted to get a couple more um, yards to hopefully get into field goal range because their kicker has a huge leg. But Jacoby Brissett throws a Bit of a questionable ball. It's picked off, and long story short, the Jets win. Just ridiculous. An absolute ridiculous finish to a ridiculous game. And, yeah, I mean, that that was that's definitely a heartbreaker for the Browns. It's a huge one for the Browns, definitely a heartbreaker. And the Jets, I mean, hey, you got to give it to them. Without Zach Wilson, without really a good team, and coming off of Robert Salas saying, oh, yeah, I'm keeping receipts, and everyone just kind of mocking them. They they go in and pull out a gritty win. And I'm not going to say that the Browns are some world beaters and the Jets are Super Bowl bound. not going to overreact that much because, like I said, it's Jacoby Brissett. And he is as average as the day is long. But still, the Browns were heavy favorites for a reason. And they just fell apart in the last less than two minutes. A 99.9% chance to win the game at one point and they still ended up losing. That sucks. Now... For the Lions and the Commanders, the Commanders traveled to Detroit to take on the Lions. This game was another one of those things. It was a complete blowout, um, at least for the first half. And Detroit was running the ball up and down the field on them. Their defense was flying around. Aiden Hutchinson looks like he's justifying me in when I said that he would win Defensive Rookie of the Year. He had three sacks in this game, all in the first half. And that is the most, I believe, in Detroit Lions history. And it's also the first time that a first-round pick has had three sacks in one game in one of his like first two games since, I think, 2001 or 2002 when it was Julius Peppers and a couple of other guys to do it. So some pretty unprecedented territory. And all in all, the, the Lions' defense looks suffocating. They ended up getting a safety on Carson Wentz. They had about five sacks this entire game. They had a pick. They, they, they looked very, very solid as a team, Jared Goff was doing what he needed to, taking what they gave him. He had four touchdowns this game. Am- Amon Ross St. Brown, dear God, that dude's a menace. He might just be a top ten receiver in the league by the end of this season. He's had he, he's just predict. I don't know how he gets open. He looks small. He doesn't look like a prototype or anything, but man, he he just gets it done. And yeah, like I said, Detroit was running the ball. In just some like ridiculous ways amon ross and brown had a 58 yard rush deandre swift he didn't carry the ball too many times which i thought was weird but he he had a solid chunky yard he had like 50 some yards jamal williams got the lion's share of the carries and he still had over 50 yards so detroit was running the ball essentially what felt like at will and then they were passing the ball in a little bit of a dink and dunk fashion with jared goff but still effectively and they looked incredible for the first half in or so of this game. Now, in the second half, when they're in a passing situation, Carson Wentz kind of did what he normally does. He had the opposite of his first half, I guess. He, he's so much like Matthew Stafford in the sense that you have no idea what the hell you're going to get in them from half-to-half, game-to-game, week-to-week, minute-to-minute, drive-to-drive. Um, and in the first half of this game, Carson Wentz looked terrible. So it's only apropos for him to look pretty damn good in the the second half In the second half, he drove them back. He scored 27 points and yeah, I mean, he outscored the Lions in both quarters. I believe the third quarter, I want to say that's when they had the touchdown and then had another and went for two and actually converted it. And then the next, I believe they had another two touchdowns or something like that, but or maybe two field goals and a touchdown, but missed a two-point conversion. But anyways, and Wentz looked good. Wentz had a trio of touchdown passes. Jahan Dotson touching the end zone again. Um, Curtis Samuel hitting hitting Pater again, looking great. And Wentz really started picking it up and he was dealing in the second half, but too little too late. And that's kind of been the story for Carson Wentz and unfortunately for the commanders. They've Seemed to just take too long to put things together in recent years. Like last year they had that issue. And this year it's looking like it's starting to raise up again. But Lions get a gritty win. Commanders unfortunately take a loss there. Not even going to lie, I was cheering for Detroit here. Like I've, like I've been saying all offseason, there's just something about this team that makes you want to root for them. And it picked up a very, very well-deserved win today. I loved it. And just seeing the elation on the players' faces... It was great to see. Now, next, oh my, this game is just, it's just brutal. It was brutal the entire time, no matter what. I don't think that this game at all got interesting. Actually, I I take that back. The one good part about this game was that ginormous brawl that happened in, like, towards the end of the game. Of course, I'm talking about the Saints versus the Buccaneers. Now, Tom Brady has been owned by the Saints in his time in Tampa, I believe he was owned for in the regular season, beat him obviously in the postseason, but yeah, that either way, Tom Brady looked terrible against the Saints all the time, and honestly, that continued today. I don't think Tom Brady looked good at all. Sure, he won, but I'll, I'll get into that in a little bit. I think Tom Brady looked horrendous once again. I don't think Tom I don't want to call Tom Brady washed or anything, because I don't think that it's a product of necessarily his play. He's really thrown the lawn chairs and stuff like that out there at this point. Really, only Mike Evans is healthy. Everyone else is hurt. But with that being said, I don't know if it's the stuff with Giselle or if it's anything like that, but he just does not seem like himself at all. And yeah, it was, I believe, 3-3 three three, deep into the third quarter or something like that. And then, yeah, it just got... It just got really, really crazy, really, really quickly. Tom Brady, I believe, threw like an incompletion or something, or maybe he got sacked, and then he got then he was getting jawed at by the by someone on the same, by Marshawn Lattimore, and then Tom Brady started shouting things back. Marshawn Lattimore kind of doubled back around, started yelling at Brady Moore, and then you see Mike Evans, who's essentially on the sideline, walking off the field. Turn around, kind of recognize. You can see it in his face. And every single time Lattimore and Evans play each other, they're always fighting. They hate each other. And but yeah, Mike Evans walking to the sideline, turns around, sees this Lattimore, books it over and just hammers the guy. Marshawn Lattimore gets up swinging. Mike Evans was obviously yelling, John swinging, shoving. And then it just evolving this ginormous scrum. And God, it was entertaining, I guess to say the least. That was probably the most enter- entertaining point of the game. And unfortunately, kind of after that, that's when the wheels just fell off for the Saints. Their defense couldn't hold anymore because uh, I believe J- um, Jameis just kind of started his his little his long just unwinding. I guess he threw a pick. Uh, the Bucks, I think, right off of that, they responded with a touchdown, and then from there. Jameis just threw another pick, Bucks got the ball back scored, Jameis threw a pick six, and by then the game was essentially out of reach, and then the Saints got like a garbage time touchdown. But yeah, it was God, it was just a just a bit of a mess of a game. And if you go through kind of the play by play, listen to this. This kind of tells you how how terrible of a game this was. Starting with the Saints and then alternating in drives, obviously, it goes Saints field goal, fumble um, for the Bucks, and then um, Saints punt, Bucks, um, de- um, they turn the ball over on downs, Saints punt, Bucks punt, Saints punt, Bucks punt Saints, punt, Saints punt, end of the half. And then the Buccaneers get the ball, and it goes punt, punt, field goal, fumble, punt, interception, touchdown, interception, field goal, pick six, touchdown, punt, fumble, punt, downs, end of game. Dear God, just. Brutal. I, I, I'm i so happy I really did not need to watch much except the condensed version of this game because uh, thank God for the NFL, NFL Plus, NFL Game, game Pass when you can watch the condensed versions because I, I couldn't watch, I could not imagine being a Saints or Buccaneers fan watching this game. I just couldn't. Tampa Bay had six punts along with, like I said, some fumbles and stuff like that. The Saints had five punts, three interceptions, believe a... Um, I think they lost two fumble. It was just a disgusting game. Jameis kind of returned to his old Jekyll and Hyde form, in this case I guess he's Hyde. I don't I don't really know if Jekyll or Hyde is the good one or bad one, but you know what I'm saying. It's it's like his two identities. He'll have one good game and then one terrible one. Or last week he had one terrible half and then one great half. This week he was just terrible. He threw three picks and then a garbage time touchdown. Um, At one point in the game, I want to say he had like 22 attempts in 80 yards. H- horrendous. And the Saints defense, well, it, it did what it could for as long as it could, but eventually I think they just got burnt out. And once Marshawn Lattimore got ejected, things just went downhill for him. But moreover, Tom Brady, like I said, he looked terrible again. 18-34, to 34, which is a little over 50%. Um, less than 200 yards, a touchdown. That's all. He did not look good. I know they won. I know they won last week. I don't care. In two consecutive weeks, he has just looked off, not into it, struggling, inefficient. It's bad, and it sucks seeing a legend like this because I don't want him to be like Ben Roethlisberger was last year. I don't want him to be like how Peyton Manning was his final year. I don't want that for Tom Brady. As much as I don't... I don't know. I, I hated him on the Patriots because they always beat the Bills, but... You hate seeing a legend of any game go out like this. You want every single legend to be able to retire like like John Elway did when he was still good, won the Super Bowl on top of the mountain peak, retired. Peyton Manning, he looked terrible, but he won a Super Bowl, just retired. Tom Brady, he looked amazing last year, runner-up in MVP voting. Sure, they didn't get as far as they wanted to in the playoffs. He should have retired there. He should have called it there, and it's really coming back to bite him. And there's going to be more on the box later uh, in my in or out segment, so I'm going to save a little bit of my rant for then. And the next game, not going to need much time for this one. Panthers Giants. Long story short, the Panthers, Matt Rule, I, you're going to need to just start saying goodbye. Get ready and get ready to be packing. You're not going to be. I don't know. <laughs> there's there's not much hope left for you, big guy unfortunately. I don't know if they're going to get, I don't know, say they lose next week. I don't think that Matt is going to get fired after like three weeks. I, th- I think Bill O'Brien made it like four weeks, but it's not looking good for Matt Rule. Baker Mayfield, once again, I thought this guy was going to come in. He looked good in the preseason, and I guess that's why it's just preseason, because once again, he just looked below average. And less than 50% of his passes completed. Did not have a ton of yards. He had a touchdown, sure, but took some sacks. McCaffrey got it going on the ground, thankfully. But he wasn't a factor in the pass game. There's just a lack of wow or pops. There's just a lack of big plays and stuff with this offense to the point that it's just impossible to watch. And their defense can hold for pretty much as long as they can, but when they need to keep coming back on and back on and back onto the field and playing so much, especially in the first quarter where... They were probably on for the first entire freaking quarter. It felt like because um, they fumbled the, the Panthers fumbled the ball. I want to say on like a kickoff return or something like that. Baker Mayfield had a fumble, I believe. And so it's it's just not a good recipe for success. Uh, but yeah, it's Panthers. They 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 kept it close as close as they could, and the fact that they played this poorly and still only lost by three is kind of a testament to how gritty I guess they are but also how kind of overrated the Giants look now and how falsified they look with a 2-0 record Daniel Jones threw the ball a ton of times less than 200 yards and a touchdown he was as average as a day as long Saquon Barkley didn't really have a big game again he had a ton of carries not many yards he was only about three and a half yards a carry uh, and then through the air like I said not many passing yards they couldn't do much through there but for, for both teams, neither team could really run the ball much outside of Christian McCaffrey occasionally, and neither team was throwing the ball much. So it was just it was just brutal. It was just not good. It was j- just a really sloppy game and not sloppy because there were a ton of turnovers, but just sloppy in the, in the fact that neither team could really get things going. Uh, the Giants got themselves down to kick a field goal late, and that ended up being the game winner. Which makes the Panthers, I believe, one of the first teams in a long time, if not NFL history, to lose on back-to-back game-winning field goals of over fifty yards or over fifty-five yards in a row. Sucks for the Panthers. Giants, good job. I mean, I, I love Brian Dable. Have a lot of um, kind of not not res- I mean, yeah, respect, but thankful for what he did in Buffalo, and it's nice to see him go out and win. And he really stuck to his identity of being aggressive, going forward on fourth downs and stuff like that. But still, not really anything too awe inspiring in this game. Same with the Patriots and the Steelers. Nothing really awe inspiring. Both teams looked like carbon copies of one another. With TJ Watt out on the Steelers side, their defense was meh. Um, the New England, their defense, meh. Both offenses just looked terrible. And both quarterbacks were essentially the same player this entire time. They both were twenty. They both had twenty-one completions. Trubisky was twenty-one of thirty-three. Mac Jones was twenty-one of thirty-five. Now Mac Jones had about hundred more yards passing than Trubisky, but they both had a touchdown and a pick. And both offenses just looked terrible. The only difference was New England could run the football. Now they had a little bit more attempts and stuff. But between Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, those two can just ram the football. And they are strong backs. And it seemed like um, New England kind of gave up on the passing game pretty quick and realized, yeah, we're just going to pound the rock. And that's all they needed to do. And eventually it worked for them. And that's nice. It's nice to see it. But they're going to need to develop a passing attack. Same with the Steelers. Both of these teams, their quarterbacks are not elite talents. They're not guys who can carry a team it doesn't seem like and they need people to step up and Nelson Nelson Aguilar had a big game he had an incredible touchdown grab where he mossed the heck out of the guy and ran it in Jacoby Myers seems to be stepping up but outside of that Mac Jones doesn't have anybody to throw to for the Steelers it seems like every single ball that they throw it, it, it seems like last year and last year Big Ben the ball was snapped to him and he threw the ball within like two and a half seconds. It was the quickest snap-to-throw offense in the entire league by a long shot. And now a lot of that was because Ben is essentially just a statue at his old age. And so when you get in a younger, more mobile guy like Mitch Trubisky, you're kind of sitting there thinking like, yeah, okay, now they can maybe hold the ball. Mitch Trubisky can buy time in the pocket. There can be more deep shots. They can be more dynamic on offense. But no, it's not that. They're still just snap-to-trubisky and right out of his hands like that. Just snap-throw, snap-throw. And they don't allow anything to develop downfield. And whenever they try to go downfield, Mitch Trubisky just threw a pick. And I think their longest pass play of this game was to George Pickens, and it was like a 23-yarder. Just not good. Deontay Johnson can't seem to get himself open. Nachi Harris just cannot run the ball with efficiency behind this wretched O-line. Chase Claypool is essentially a non-factor. Pickens hasn't been able to do much in either of these first two games. It They just don't they just don't seem right, and they just have a stagnant offense. Patriots and the the Steelers both do. Patriots a little bit less so, and that's why they are able to come out with the win. Not much to go over in that game. It was just, it was was pretty brutal. Not even going to lie, guys. Now, speaking of brutal, the Jaguars bent the Colts over backwards and whooped them. It was, it, it, it was not safe for TV. It was like, kids avoid your eyes you should not be watching this the Colts got destroyed in Jacksonville it's at the point where I I think this is eight straight games so eight years in a row that they lose to the Jaguars in Jacksonville it's at the point where the Jaguars or the, the Colts and Jags I guess should just immediately wherever this game is played just give both teams a bye week and give the Jacksonville Jaguars the win so essentially at the start of every single season, just start the Colts off 0-1-1, start the Jags off 1-0, and give them both an extra bye week whenever they're supposed to play each other. Because the Colts cannot win in Jacksonville. I, I don't know why. They have a better team at, at, pretty much every single time. I mean, maybe in 2017 when it was Saxonville and the Jags made it to the AFC Championship game, maybe then they were the better team. But I, I just don't get it. Last year, the Colts couldn't. The year before with Phillip Rivers, the Colts couldn't. This year with Matt Ryan, who's supposed to be an upgrade over Carson Wentz, they still have Jonathan Taylor. They cannot do a thing. They get shut out by the Jacksonville freaking Jaguars. And, I mean, now it's it's at the point where I, I don't know what to attribute it to. Is it just the fact that the Jags took that step and they're no longer the Jacksonville Jaguars that I was speaking of them? Like, are, are we unable to speak down upon them now? Or was Urban Meyer just that wretched of a head coach? Like, was he that horrendous that the Jags are this when they have a competent head coach in Doug Peterson? Is it coaching? Is it players taking a step? Or do the Colts just suck? I don't know. I have no idea what it is, but I'm honestly... I'm, I think I'm going to need to stop talking down on the Jaguars. I need to stop saying, oh, well, they're the Jaguars. They stink. I don't think they do. They... I think I want to say they're a division leader right now. If even like, if even if the Titans win tonight against the Bills, they'll be tied for first place in the division with the Titans. What the heck? That's just insane. And for the Colts, I, there was a lot of a lot of the media and a lot of um, like ESPN analysts and other analysts and stuff like that, and journalists and media members and pundits, and even myself. Everyone was saying, this is a must-win game for the Colts. And everyone was kind of saying it tongue-in-cheek because it's Week 2. How can a Week 2 game against an opponent who you are favored by 10 points to beat, how can that be a must-win game? Well, it's a must-win game in the same sense that it was last year when they faced the Jacksonville Jaguars in Jacksonville. It was the last week of the season, the Colts were win and in, favored by, I want to say, at least 10 points again. Against a terrible Jags team. And last year, the Jags were terrible. I don't care what anyone says. They sucked. Yes, they beat the Bills. Yes, they beat the J- or the Colts. Yes, they like beat the Dolphins at one point. They were terrible. And the Colts couldn't do it then. They could not win a must-win game when they could. Now, week two in this game felt like a must-win game after what the Colts did against the Texans last week. The Texans aren't supposed to be good either, and we'll get on to them later. Maybe they actually are very good too, but, well, not very good, but at least decent too, but Matt Ryan, he he needed to bounce back. He really, really needed to today. It was a big spot. This is one of those games that you just need to win. It's one of those things that if you want to win the division, if you want to be a good team, this is a game that you need to win. When you have more talent and you have the better quarterback, and it, you just need to, and you need to bounce back from a tie, um, where which should have been a loss. And I know Shaquille Griffin or Shaquille Leonard, he was not playing today, and or yesterday. And then also two of their top receivers, and Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman, were out of an already depleted core. So who did they have? Like Ashton Doolin, on um, Michael Strahan, Kylan Granson, Mo Cox, like Paris Campbell. They didn't have many. Receivers, But Matt Ryan needs to step up. Jonathan Taylor, who everyone was saying is, oh, he's the offensive player of the year last year. He's the best running back in the league. You need to be able to step up then. That's why I cannot say that Jonathan Taylor is the best running back in the league because Derrick Henry, um, whenever the um, Titans last year didn't have A.J. Brown, didn't have Julio Jones, he was able to step in, run the ball for 200 yards, and carry him to a win. Tannehill. Last year, he he was thrown to lawn chairs and people worse than the Colts had today for some games, and Derrick Henry was out, and he still managed to win them. I don't know if that's a testament to coaching and Mike Vrabel, but everything about the Colts, everyone's on the hot seat it feels like now. You are now 0-1-1 with a tie and a loss to the two supposedly worst teams in your division. Matt Ryan had three picks, just about 50% completion, less than 200 yards, no touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor had, I want to say, 20 yards rushing going into the fourth quarter and popped off like 30 yards in garbage time. He was a non-factor. Their receivers were non-factors until garbage time. They were pathetic. The Colts, they came out flat. They looked terrible. They, they Typically, they start poorly, and that's on Frank Reich. They looked like they weren't ready. They looked like they had already written this off as a win, which they had no business doing considering how their season ended last year and how they started the season this year it was a pathetic showing for the Indianapolis Colts and I know that I'm ragging on them pretty hard right now but honestly in my eyes they deserve it for this kind of start but that's not to take away from the Jacksonville Jaguars and I want to give the Jaguars their love right now because I know not many people if anyone will because they're still the Jaguars to a lot of people and I know that I said when I first started talking about this I said oh they're the Jaguars are they Are they still the Jaguars? Doug Peterson looks like he is turning this ship around. Trevor Lawrence, last week I know he had a pick. This week, he didn't. Last week, I think he looked good even with that pick. I think they should have won last week. And they won this week, and they sure as hell showed that they should have. Trevor Lawrence was almost perfect. Um, Not by passer rating. By QBR, he almost was. But he was so accurate. Just so accurate. A, bun, like a, a decent amount of yards, two touchdowns, no picks. He wasn't sacked at all. Their O-line held up. Their, their run game wasn't great. I They didn't average too many yards or anything, but they, they, they did when it counted. James Robinson had that big run for a touchdown in the early part of the game. And then down to their receiving core, Christian Kirk, everybody mocked him. Oh, this guy's not worth 20000000 million. We're letting this guy set the receiver market? Well, through two weeks of the season, he looks damn good. He had an over 100-yard game um, last week and a touchdown. And this week, he continues right where he left off. Six catches, 78 yards, and two more touchdowns. Evan Engram, he had a bunch of catches. Not many yards, but he made those clutch third-down catches to move the sticks when they needed to. Marvin Jones, he's still just doing his thing. Travis Etienne, it's weird. They're using him kind of like a hybrid kind of slot receiver slash running back. He picked up yards when he could. Zay Jones came in, who I love, by the way since his time in Buffalo. Actually, I have a Zay Jones jersey in Buffalo. He's my favorite player. I got to meet him a couple of times. Um, I partnered with the Bills for a couple flag football programs, so I got to work with them, and I met a bunch of the players and guys on the team, and I got to meet Zay Jones and talk with him a lot. And he, he's just a great all-around guy. Love him to death, and, yeah, he, he was my favorite player on the Bills for a long time. I have his jersey, but, yeah, he contributed when he could as well. The Jacks just looked like they could do no wrong. And every single time they play the Colts in Jacksonville, they look like the best team in the league. Just ridiculous. Now, finally, for the very best game of this slate, the Dolphins versus the Ravens. Oh, my God, was this a barn burner. And I mean that in a good way. So many points. 80 points total scored in this game. So so much happened. Oh, my goodness. It started off, and I want to say up until the first half, like, the entire half, the Ravens looked like they were going to run away with the ball. Or the game. And, and honestly, the ball, too. Because Lamar had a career day. But anyways, they came out the gates hot with a kickoff return for a touchdown. Devin DuVernay, that was awesome. And then the very next drive, they kicked the ball off to the Dolphins and Tua throws a pick. And then, I believe Miami eventually scored and tied it up at 7 later. But then it was, like, right after the Dolphins scored... Uh, the Ravens just decided, yeah, you know what, we're done. And it was a one play, like the Ravens got the ball back in that very first play. Lamar chucks it, Um, so it would have been 75 yards because it was right off a kickoff or a touchback. Chucks it 75 yards, Rashad Bateman, touchdown. And man, did that guy have wheels. He clocked in at like over 21 miles an hour when he was running. He just looked fast. That was awesome. Then the Dolphins had a punt. I want to say the Ravens got the ball back. Lamar Jackson throws another touchdown and then you're like oh my goodness if, if the, the Dolphins need to do something here it can't get any worse for them. and Tua throws another horrendous interception Ravens get the ball score another easy touchdown and it then the half ends and it's 28 to 7 and if you're like me you're saying yeah well this this looks more like it the Ravens are destroying them. I expected it uh, maybe not by that many points but I expected the Ravens to win the game and I picked him to win the game but then coming out of the second half, things got, I don't want to say better, but the Dolphins kind of like collected themselves, scored really quickly, a little bit of a stalemate. Ravens score again, making it look easy because Lamar Jackson just decides to run. Like He had like an 80-yard rush or something like that, and it, it was just ridiculous. And at one point in this game, the Ravens were up 35-14. to Lamar Jackson had a perfect passer rating with three touchdowns through the air, and over 100 yards rushing, and a rushing touchdown. I, I was texting one of my friends at the time, who's a Ravens fan, and I was like, okay, I, I know that I get called a Lamar Jackson hater a little bit, because I'm not as high on him as um, other people are. I, I don't think he's one of those, I think he's a top 10 quarterback, but I don't think he's a like a top 2 or 3 like some people do. And my buddy was like, see what I mean? Like, Lamar, he's going to be MVP this year. Ravens are Super Bowl bound. And I was like, whoa, like, slow slow down. I will give it to you if Lamar Jackson continues to play like this, perfect passer rating, three touchdowns through the air, and over 100 yards rushing on the ground, damn right he's going to be in the MVP conversation. But, and and he continued to play well throughout the entire game. He didn't finish with a perfect passer rating, but he played pretty well throughout the, the rest of the game as well. But, things just kind of went downhill from there and it seems like as soon as my buddy and I were texting that then Miami gets a touchdown I, I think it was like a deep pass to um to was it was it to Tyree Kill? at this point I want to say or maybe maybe it was no no because Tyreek Hill was out with cramps at this point but either way they marched their way down the field to a hits I I forget the he was kind of like a, a backup receiver anyway in the end zone scores a touchdown then they stuff the Ravens on, I want to say, fourth and one at, at some point, which is crazy. And I, I want to say that they stuffed the, Dol- the Ravens twice on fourth down, which was crazy. Great job by the Dolphins' defense. And then I believe Tyreek Hill comes back into the game after dealing with cramps. They said he might have gotten an Ivy in the locker room, and Tua hits him immediately for a deep touchdown. And then you're like, holy crap, <laughs> they're within range, they're, they're down by seven. And there was, I don't know how much time left. It it was probably like halfway through the fourth quarter at this point. Ravens get the ball back and you're like, okay, Ravens, make something happen. Go down, kick a field goal, or just run the clock out or something like that. And they can't. They get stopped. They go um, three and out, punt the ball back to the Dolphins. And then as a fine cue, once again, it's just another Tyreek Hill deep bomb for a touchdown. I was like, oh my God, what the heck is happening here? And then it's tied up, and then you're like, "Oh, um, okay, this is this is ridiculous." There's like five minutes left. Ravens, you have the ball. Just run the damn clock out and get Justin Tucker in range, kick a game-winning field goal. Well, they get in range, but can't extend the time. Um, they can't like waste any more time. So Tucker, of course, hits a field goal. And then the Dolphins get the ball with a little over two minutes left. So they have all their timeouts and the two, um, two-minute warning for them. And th- then you're like, "Okay, th- this is kind of crazy." I'm on the edge of my seat watching this game, and sure enough, Tua marches them right down the field, and I mean, thanks to like Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, really, and hits Waddle in the end zone, goes up 42 to 38, and then the Ravens can't do anything um, towards the end of the game. Try for the Hail Mary, Lamar can't even get it to the end zone, and that's a wrap. Miami wins 42 to 38. Tyree Kill had like damn near 200 yards. Jalen Waddell had damn near 200 yards. They both had a pair of touchdowns. Tua had, had listen to this stat line, 36 of 50, which is 72% completion percentage, 469 yards. That's a crap ton. 9.4 yards per attempt, six touchdowns, two picks and one sack. I don't care about those two picks. What I care about is that Tua, he, he's, he's been slammed. By a lot of people. I have slammed Tua. I have said that I don't think he's that talented. I've said that we haven't seen anything from him yet. I was willing to give him a little bit more of a shot to prove something. But I I, I don't know. I said that I don't think he's elite yet and we haven't seen anything from him. Right now I think he's average. And man, did he have a statement game today. Sure, it's a one-off thing. I want to see if he can continue to do this. Because every quarterback can have a game like this. Matt Schaub had a game where he set the passing yards record. Nick Foles had a game where he had seven touchdown passes. I want to see if this can keep going on, but answering down, to, down 21 points to a damn good team in the Baltimore Ravens, whose quarterback was damn near perfect this entire time. Lamar Jackson, over 300 yards, three touchdowns, over 110 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Oh my God. And you come back and win it like that. That was impressive by Tua. Dolphins, oh, there's going to be more on you later, but that was a solid, solid showing. Ravens, I don't know what happened to the defense. I know that they had some injuries down the stretch, but I, I, I was saying yesterday, if the Ravens choked that game, they would be like the first team that I've ever known to have a quarterback with a perfect passer rating and lose the game. Now, obviously, Lamar didn't finish with a perfect passer rating just because down the stretch he threw a bunch of incompletions and stuff. But he was still about as perfect as you can get. But if you take away Lamar Jackson and his running, they, they, they have no run game. They rely way too much on Lamar. They, they had 36 yards on the ground outside of Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson accounted for, I want to say they had a total of like 460 yards. I think Lamar Jackson accounted for like four, for like 420, 440 of them. Just Just ridiculous. And it was nice to see Rashad Bateman step up. It was nice to see Isaiah Likely kind of pop out of nowhere. Devin Duvernay, he's continuing to be not only a decent receiver, but a threat in the kick return game. Mark Andrews is always Mark Andrews, but J.K. Dobbins needs to come back and they need to establish something on the ground where things are going to get very, very bad very quickly for the Ravens. Now, on to the afternoon slate of games. These were equally as crazy for the most part. I'm going to start with, I guess, the kind of the most obvious one of the day the one that we all expected that was for the 49ers to bounce back against Seattle. However, um, unfortunately there was something really, really, really bad that happened. And of course, I'm talking about Trey Lance who on a designed run, I believe he tried to scramble right up the middle, um, early in, I want to say the first or second quarter early in the first half early in the game. And he suffered an injury. He was wheeled off in an air cast around his leg. It turns out that he really, really did some damage to his ankle and he's going to be out for the season which leaves Jimmy Garoppolo to be the starter for the rest of the year, which thank the ever-loving Lord that the 49ers decided to re-sign him and bring him back because he's a damn good starter and we've seen that he's won with the team. And he, he came in and just did his thing. He did what he needed to, manage the game, won the game, 27-7 against the Seahawks. It sucks for Trey Lance. I hate seeing that. I love Trey Lance. You guys know that he was my MVP pick. Obviously, that... It sucks for my pick, but who cares about that? It sucks to see a guy like that get injured. And it sucks even more that he's going to be a, a, a guy whose main concern was his experience. Because what? He played like a game or two in the past like three years because of COVID and having a shortened season. Then, ha- then sitting on the bench. It, it sucks, especially for the 49ers organization now that a player that they need to see play now is unable to play. I mean, what 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 the heck happens now? You, you're going to have to go another season now in the future, so next year they're going to have to go through without knowing if they have the guy or not. Except next year, they're not going to have Jimmy G as the backup. So if Trey Lance isn't the guy and they figure that out next season and they don't have Jimmy G, they're going to be punting on the season and be a very bad team. Now, for this season, can Jimmy Garoppolo take him the distance? Yeah, I mean, he has before. We'll just have to see. But... It stinks. And they handled their business. They beat a bad team in the Seahawks, who kind of just turned back into a pumpkin at this point. Geno Smith just looked bad. The, the, the coaching looked off. What, they were in the red zone. They ran that stupid trick play. Had their running back throw a pick. Just dumb. Dumb stuff. Their running game is pitiful. And Tyler Lockett is really the only thing keeping them afloat. Even DK Metcalf can't get open anymore. So it, it, it's pretty brutal for them, but 49ers, Trey Lance, sending prayers for you, my friend. Uh, congrats on the win there for the 49ers, but overall, just not a good day for the 49ers fandom. Next, we're going to go into the Bengals and the Cowboys, and this was just a boring game for most of the entire time. Not too much happening. I mean, the first drive, Cooper Rush looked great, drove him down the field, and the um, Cowboys scored a touchdown. And the entire game, the Bengals' offense just looked inept. I want to say they had, like, three touchdowns, and or three field goals, and then in, like, the last waning minutes, um, Joe Burrow let him down the field, got a touchdown and a two-point conversion to tie it up, and then the Cowboys got the ball back. Cooper Rush easily, easily. Cooper Rush picked apart the Bengals' defense, got him in a field goal range, hit the game-winner, thanks to Brett Maher, and Dallas walks out of there with a win. Cincinnati, you guys are in trouble. <laughs> I've been saying it. I have not been high on the Bengals. I said that I didn't think that they deserved to be in the Super Bowl. I think that they caught fire late. And yeah, and this kind of shows why. And Bengals fans going into this season were saying, oh, we're so disrespected. We're such a good team. We're just in the Super Bowl. Well, yes, but you're not the greatest team. And they were supposed to have upgraded their offensive line. And I know it must ta- that it does take time for new offensive lines to gel, Hell, it did for the Chiefs last year, it did for the Bills last year, it did for the Packers like two years ago, and essentially this year, but Joe Burrow got sacked, what, six, seven times week one, I think it was seven times week one, and then today, or yesterday, I keep saying today like these games happen today when it's Monday, but anyways, he got sacked six times yesterday, 13 sacks in two games is not a winning formula, Bengals, and Joe Burrow, for everyone anointing him the next Tom Brady or the, the next the Joe Cool and he's just he's a, already a top 5 quarterback. He had one good season. I said I wanted to see him do it again before I put him into a top tier of quarterbacks and so far he does not look good. Four picks last week, two garbage time touchdowns. This week Nothing except for the one garbage-time touchdown, essentially, even though, it yes, it did tie them up, and he made the two-point conversion, too, so it wasn't essentially garbage time, but it was last two minutes of the game when you just need to be throwing so you're bound to pick up some stuff. Less than 200 yards, again, only a touchdown, sacked a bunch of times, and not all the sacks were on the O-line, but, yeah. And then the other weird thing is the Bengals seemed that, at least for the first three quarters of the game, I get wanting to establish the run, but when it's not working to the extent that it wasn't working for the Bengals, you just need to stop. You need to recognize it's not working. They could not get a thing going on the ground, and they just kept pounding it with Mixon, and he just wasn't getting anywhere. Jamar Chase was locked up for most of the game. T. Higgins finally got loose late. Tyler Boyd was a non-factor. It was just just a mess. It was a mess all around once again, and the Bengals fall to 0-2 which is almost a death sentence, especially in the AFC. And, I mean, me saying that they're going to miss the playoffs, it's looking more and more true every day. Do they have time to rebound? Yes, there's 15 more games. But still, not how you wanted to start. And I know it's week two, and I'm making it sound like life or death for a lot of these teams, but for, for, I mean, you, I'm sure you guys have seen the stat now. Teams that start 0-2, none of them have ever won the Super Bowl in, like, past however long. The last team to do it was Tom Brady, I want to say. Or maybe it was the Giants in 2007. But either way, it doesn't happen. And teams that start 0-2 hardly ever make the playoffs even. So yeah, not a good look. Anyways, one of the more... Actually, before we get to one of the other um, kind of exciting games, I want to get to just Texans-Broncos really quick to knock this out. It's either the Texans are a lot better than a lot of people think, and I hope it's that because, like I said, and you guys know I am a Davis Mills guy, Davis Mills didn't look good today. The Texans themselves really didn't look good today at all. But I don't know if it's the Texans are better than we think or the Broncos are actually bad and they're frauds. Russell Wilson looked horrible. Let Russ cook. Don't let him cook. I don't think Russ knows how to cook. I think russ was like me when i was a kid and all i ever wanted to do was be like my mother because my mother is the best cook She is the best baker that i know she does everything absolutely incredibly and especially when it comes to like baking and stuff like that and i wanted to be like her so bad i would always come in and try and cook and try and bake and i'll try to bake myself my own food sometimes and it looked like crap when i was younger and that's kind of what russ looks like i mean that's probably a terrible analogy but I guess I'm comparing Russell Wilson to like my eight to 10 year old self. Actually, no, probably a little bit younger than that because my mother taught me how to bake and cook and it's something that I love doing. I'm pretty damn good at it now, but I don't know. I I guess I'm comparing Russ to a toddler who's trying to make a five course meal. He doesn't know how he can't, he hasn't been. I don't know if it's that he can't. I don't know if that's, if it's that he doesn't know how, but either way it is not working whatever the the tools or the ingredients that Russell Wilson is using they do not work right now am I saying that they're never going to work no because the Broncos have a great roster they have great receivers or at least could have great receivers they have star running backs and Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon I think they're both incredible but they, they have all the things they have a great defense they have a potentially great offense Russ just can't do anything with it It's ridiculous. It's less than he, or it's more than he had in Seattle, and he's doing less with it. What the heck? And he's given more freedom, and he's doing less with it. It's just weird. Russell Wilson was 14-31, a touchdown and a pick, and a little over 200 yards. What the hell? Less than 50% with Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, Albert O., I mean, I know Tim Patrick's out, and I know J- um, Jerry Judy did get hurt pretty early on in this game, but Denver's receiving core today, yesterday, whatever. When I say today, you guys know what I mean. Denver's receiving core against the Texans, Cortland Sutton had seven catches for 122 yards. The rest of the team, the hi- like the highest um, amount of yards the next person had was 28. So there were 219 total yards. That means 89 of them were everyone else in one person at 122, and that was Cortland Sutton. This team is just one-sided. If if Javante Williams isn't carrying the ball or Melvin Gordon isn't carrying the ball, they can't get anything going through the air, and they're really supposed to be a throw-the-ball sort of team. Everyone is nowadays. And they couldn't do a damn thing against the Texans. And the Texans are not supposed to be a good team. They're not supposed to have a good defense. Personally, I don't think they have a good defense. They don't have any big names... I mean, Derek Stingley played well again, but other than that, they don't have big names. I mean, I love Jerry Hughes, but it's just, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous to see. Davis Mills, he has a bit of a fumbling problem. Shout out to his old lineman for recovering both of his. He looked harshly average today. 50% exactly, less than 200 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. He was not special. He was not good. Damian Pierce, my my... my my guy, he, he didn't look great. He looked unspectacular. Again, they couldn't get their offense rolling. Just three field goals, and the Broncos won it late. And I, the really the big story here is just the Broncos and their ineptitude. Nathaniel Hackett just looked poor. He had terrible decisions. Hell, the crowd was literally counting down the clock for the Broncos when they were on the field, and they still had delay of games and stuff like that. I, I think Nathaniel Hackett's in over his skis i think russell wilson's in over his skis and every single game that russell wilson plays and he looks this bad it's taking away from his hall of fame case and it's really really making it look like um pete carroll in seattle was right now into a bit of the better games i wanted to talk about the rams and the falcons this was a complete blowout up until i made that joke about 28 to 3 so i will take this one on the chin for you rams fans all of all of you guys my my audience i i know that i have a bit of an audience out there in la so i apologize for giving you guys um putting you guys in a cardiac arrest maybe um giving you guys some heart attacks but the rams at one point got up 28 to 3 and i believe that was in the third quarter when they were up 28 to 3 and matt stafford had like two picks at the time so matt stafford was playing horrendously again kind of ish he, he was just having matt stafford like plays and throwing interceptions and they were still they're still whooping him they were still killing the falcons and then i was sitting there watching it with my brother and i was like it's 28 to 3 and i had to explain to him the whole origin of the 28 to 3 in the falcons because he didn't remember the super bowl he's my younger brother he didn't he, he hasn't watched football until this year this year he's really starting to watch football and he's one that i'm kind of like do my best to teach the ropes to stuff like that but I explained it to him and he was like oh that'd be funny and we were like yeah how funny would it be if the Falcons come back and win and then Matt Stafford throws another pick and then the Falcons get a touchdown it's 28 to 10 I'm like eh, oh well I mean still whatever Rams get a field goal it's up even more and then Falcons get a touchdown I was like okay well whatever it's pretty much garbage time at this rate it's the fourth quarter Rams are ahead by 14, there's no way they can win, right? Well, I guess I just didn't pay enough attention to the Browns and Jets game because then the Rams go to punt and it gets blocked, and the Falcons get a touchdown out of it and a two-point conversion. I'm like, oh my god. 31 to 25, what the hell? Then the Rams fumble the ball, which is terrible. The Falcons get the ball back, and then I'm like, oh my god, no way this is going to happen. There's like three minutes left. Mariota, no way you lead a comeback. Mariota gets him right down close to the end zone, but then takes an end zone shot, picked off by Jalen Ramsey. And I was like, oh, oh my goodness. And then it was that crazy ending of the Rams doing that that hilarious, I, I love when they do this, when the Rams, like they try to run out the clock, and then there was still some time, and then they just put a bunch of O-linemen out on the field and stuff and just tell them to hold the other team. And then you just give the ball to a fast guy, in this case, Brandon Powell, and just have him run as fast as he can back and forth in the end zone to waste the time. I love when that happens. I think it's hilarious. But yeah, they did that and then went to kick the ball back to the Falcons, but the kick went out of bounds. The Falcons got the ball at the 50 with enough room to take a shot for as a Hail Mary. And I was like, oh my God, no way. No way. Snapped Mariota, scrambles around, ultimately gets sacked. That is game. Now, Rams fans probably were had to let out that huge whew, sigh of relief Falcons fans it's another heartbreaking blow for me let out a sigh of relief I picked the Rams as my survivor pool team for this week so thank god the one pulled that one through for me uh kidding of course but for the Falcons uh I, I know that you guys fall to own two obviously you guys aren't a good team you knew that coming into this season but that's a lot of promise Marcus Mariota I know he had two interceptions but He also had two touchdowns, and he's not throwing for a ton of yards. He's not running for a ton of yards, but it seems like this team plays for him. Kyle Pitts was a non-factor, I know. They don't have really any receivers. Drake London had a big game, and Carderil Hodge had a couple big plays, but this team really does play hard. They seem almost like the Lions of last year. So do the Texans. The Texans also give me that vibe. And honestly, the Texans probably, now that they have a tie, could end with that same record as the Lions of last year. But either way, they're just gritty teams, still early in the season. They don't know that they're that bad yet. They're going to be tooth and nail fighting their very best. And that's really cool to see if you're a Falcons fan. Um, And for the Rams, a little bit of a Super Bowl slump, it seems like. Yeah, Matt Stafford had, I don't want to call it a bounce-back game at all. He had three touchdowns. But he also had two really bad picks. He didn't throw for too many yards. He he had a lot of completions. I I will give him that. I want to say it was like 75%, which was nice. Their run game looked okay. Cam Akers, I don't know if he's in the doghouse. He had a lot more carries, but he just didn't look good. I think Daryl Henderson might be the guy to go with. Cooper Cup had a Cooper Cup game, over 100 yards, two touchdowns, whatever. Happens every every damn game for him. But I, I don't know. The Rams are still looking clunky, and I know that they don't have Van Jefferson still. Allen Robinson, he looked okay. Higby's kind of working his way back into the into, into the swing of things, but yeah, the, the Rams just seem like they have things that they need to figure out. Thank God they have a little bit of a weak schedule to start, obviously minus the Bills, so they have time to do so, but yeah, they need to figure things out, and they need to do it quick. Now, next up, Cardinals and Raiders. This was a pretty pretty interesting game Raiders leapt out to I want to say there it was 20 to nothing at one point and then eventually 23 to 7 going into the fourth quarter and in my pick league I was like yeah all right well I was right Raiders win not so fast because then the Cardinals score a touchdown and get the two-point conversion I was like wow that, that's crazy they they got it cool And then the Raiders get the ball, can't do anything with it. Cardinals get the ball back in at the buzzer. Get a touchdown with a Kyler Murray scramble. A little little bit aided by the refs getting a call there. But either way, I mean, I think it was the right call. And then Kyler Murray even gets a two-point conversion. It was a miraculous one by A.J. Green. And I was like, oh, my God. No way. Goes to overtime. Cardinals won the coin toss. I said, oh, my goodness but then they're forced to punt or they might have gone for it on fourth down not made it but either way the Raiders get the ball back and then they're working their way down the field they throw the ball to Hunter Hunter Renfro at one point then he fumbles it forward I'm like oh my god no way no way that just happened but the Raiders are covered I'm like oh thank god all right so they can still win this they probably are going to win they're essentially in field goal range anyways I want to say they're at like the 40 yard line So I was like, yeah, they're they're, going to pull it out, thank God. Throw it, give it to Hunter Renfro again, get a nice little gain on the side, and then Hunter Renfro fumbles the ball again, where it is scooped and scored by Byron Murphy for a fumble return touchdown. And I was sitting there like, what the hell? That was a heartbreak for the Raiders. That was not good for them. And I was leaning towards the Raiders in this game. Just because I think Derek Carr's a good guy. I want to see him succeed. And I'm not the biggest Kyler Murray fan, as you guys may know. Something about his personality throws me off. So that, that one kind of hurt. And I was like, wow, that's, that's kind of crazy. It was a great game. It was a great little, last little comeback to see. But I don't know. And it, it's weird because my takeaways for this game, it, it, it's hard for me to have any. Because the Raiders, once again, looked like a good team until they weren't last week they were good and competitive until they just weren't and Derek Carr threw all those picks this week they were good and Derek Carr was cu- taking command of the offense and they were triple covering Devonte Adams the entire game so he finished hardly doing anything except for his one touchdown but Mac Hollins, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller they, they all got to go off and so I was like wow yeah this is the this is like the, the Las Vegas offense that we need and yeah they just trickled out the Cardinals, Kyler Murray did nothing at all, but then picked it up down the stretch. Finally got a touchdown on a couple of yards, and yeah, I, I mean, it, it was just it was just crazy how quickly things things switched up. James kind of hurt himself, had to go out. Damian Williams filled in, did just fine. Um, Hollywood Brown, Craig Dorch, Zach Ertz, they showed up again, and the, the the Arizona Cardinals came back from behind and earned a gritty win and it, it like i said it's hard to take to have any takeaways because the raiders look like a like I, I don't know i guess i would describe the raiders at this point i think they're just a bad good team and i know that that's obviously a double negative but i say that to say i think that the raiders are a bad good team whereas i think the cardinals are a good bad team i still don't think the cardinals are that good but i think they're better they're closer to the top sixteen than the bottom sixteen in the league, I guess, but I don't know. It's it's just really hard to get a read on either one of these teams right now. And then finally, to cap off the night, it was the Chicago Bears going to Green Bay to play the Packers, the Packers who own the the Bears more 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 specifically, Aaron Rodgers owning the Bears, and the Bears kind of I guess I already said it once today. But I'll use the metaphor again. The Bears turned back into a pumpkin. And they really lost all their luster. That crazy magic from that week one shit show of weather and just conglomerate of stormy, rainy weather that they managed to beat the 49ers in. Yeah, I think they were exposed. And I've had DMs from a couple people, a couple Bears fans that I was looking to read. Uh, but I think it's a little too late now that the week already happened. And there was, a couple, there was one guy who... Who called me out I, I wonder if I still have it written down and I can find it in my files but yeah I mean it's it's just that there there are a bunch of fans are like oh yeah I mean the Bears look at them they beat they beat the 49ers I'll take the apology now like I want you to admit that the Bears aren't that bad of a team let's take a deep breath and let's just have a quick reality check here the Bears won week one in terrible conditions I know Congrats for the win. You deserve it. You respect it. You earned it that day. The Bears aren't a good team, and we saw it again today. Justin Fields only threw the ball 11 times. First off, on the coaching staff, what the hell? You're down by a ton, and you have your quarterback throw the ball 11 times? And I know that this game wasn't... It was more of a fast-paced game because both teams just decided to run the ball the Packers ran the ball almost 40 times, and the Bears had about 30 attempts, so the clock was running. But you can't have your quarterback throw the ball 11 times. You just can't. And Justin Fields had 70 yards passing and a pick. Just not good. He, he, he's not throwing the ball. He's not improving throwing the ball, and he never will if he gets 11 attempts a game. He just won't. Running the ball, David Montgomery did everything he could, and then Justin Fields tried to do stuff. He didn't do much on the ground. Khalil Herbert had a couple garbage-time big runs, but the Bears just looked bad. I mean, you had seven catches total. Cole Komet has had two catches in two weeks. Darnell Mooney, who's supposed to be their number one receiver, finished with a grand total of negative four yards today. Their leading receiver had 39 in Equinemia St. Brown. They're just not. They're just not a good team. Their their O line looks terrible, and thank God Justin Fields is mobile as he is because he was only officially sacked three times. If he wasn't that mobile, if he was as mobile as Brady, he would have been sacked twenty. He just looked bad, and the Packers have a good defense and they flustered him. I get it, but the ba- the Bears are a mess and it just goes to show it. Uh, the Packers on the other hand, Aaron Rodgers. He had a better day, obviously, no picks. He had two touchdowns, um, a little over 200 yards, but the the, the show is really on the ground here. Aaron Jones had 132 yards on only 15 attempts, and then A.J. Dillon added another 60-some on 18. So they just, the, the game plan was pretty clear. It was get the balls to our running backs and just pound it, and they did, and they did so very, very effectively. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers still seemed to be building up some chemistry with his receivers. Sammy Watkins came out on top in this one, almost 100 yards, which is pretty cool. He had a long catch, which is nice to see. Aaron Jones is the next leading receiver. And then you have a conglomerate of Randall Cobb, Romeo Dobbs, Alan Lazard, Robert Tunyon, all of them mixing in for catches. And then at the very, very bottom, you have Christian Watson, three catches for nine yards. It's a little unsettling when he was a very high pick and supposed to be a good receiver for for Rodgers. Is he still in the doghouse after last week? Maybe, but I think it's just because he missed a lot of camp and he's really, really struggling to catch up on certain things. So we'll have to see. That's how the Packers looked. Uh, They won 27 to 10, good for them. But again, it's the Bears. I don't want to make too much of it. Now, that is all of the reviewing that we have to do. Now, let's get into the previewing for tonight's games. I'll go over them very quickly. Um, The Vikings and the Eagles, this is... uh, I'm going to do them in reverse order just because I feel like the Vikings-Eagles is a little bit less to talk about, at least in my opinion, because this game's more of a mystery, I guess. And it really comes down to the Eagles have a great pass rush, I think, and a solid defense and a meh offense. Whereas the Vikings offense I think is super powered, but they have a med defense. So it'll kind of be strength on strength, weakness on weakness um, in respects to the two teams. So those are kind of my key matchups is really offense versus defense. In this case, um, what can the Vikings offense do to the Eagles defense and vice versa? And what can the Eagles offense do to the Vikings defense and vice versa? So let's start with um, it from the Vikings offensive perspective. Last week, Kirk was kept clean. He, there wasn't much of a pass rush going on to him. He stayed clean, he stayed calm, and he delivered the ball where he needed to. Now, this week, there, or last week, I guess, the Eagles made life really a living hell for Jared Goff. They were all sorts of pressure. Jordan Davis was just destroying people, and he didn't even play that many snaps. And the Vikings have a worse line than the Lions do. So... If the Eagles defensive line can really generate a bunch of pressure, especially by abusing Garrett Bradbury and just their other offensive linemen and really get pressure onto Kirk, I think they're going to throw him off his game. And when you have corners like James Bradbury, um, Darius Slay, C.J. Garner-Johnson, I think that if you throw Kirk off his game and make him throw the ball like that, I think the Eagles defense will feast and be able to keep them in the game. Now, if they don't, I think that Kirk Cousins with Thielen, Jefferson, Osborne, Smith Jr., Delvin Cook, I think they can dice them up. But it really comes down to seeing what the Eagles' defense can do and see if they can hold it. And then also, last week, the Vikings' defense looked good against an underwhelming Packers offense. Well, they're facing an underwhelming Eagles offense outside of A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown is spectacular. I would love to see um, if he can, like, have as big a week as he did last week again, but if if A.J. Brown isn't able to get open or something like that or if the Eagles' offense isn't really able to perform up to standards, the Vikings should be able to swallow him, but at the same time, it, it goes the other way. I don't know if the Vikings' um, defense is really that good because they just played an underwhelming offense last week. It'll be interesting. I think the strength of the Vikings' defense is their pass rush. I think the strength of the Eagles' offense is their offensive line. If they don't get as much pressure on Jalen Hurts, I think A.J. Brown is going to have a field day in the secondary. And if they double, triple cover A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith will be able to get open and do some damage himself. So it's, it's going to be interesting. Really, I, I don't know who I'd give the edge to in this. I mean, I I think I picked the Vikings in most of my predictions and stuff like that, but I just can't get a good read on this. I I, I just can't at all because, like I said, you have, I I don't know, every single time I talk myself into saying, oh, well, I I have more faith in Kirk Cousins, even though it's prime time, then it goes to, oh, yeah, well, I mean, look at the Eagles' defense. They're going to get a bunch of pressure, throw him off his game, and it's prime time. And I'm like, eh, well, the Vikings have a better defense than the Eagles offense. And I'm like, well, look at the Eagles weapons and offensive line. I just don't know. And for me, I think that the X factor in this, I I don't know. I feel like it's so cliche to go with the quarterbacks, but I really want to say it's just both of the quarterbacks and how they deal with the pressure. So I guess the X factor is technically the offensive lines in this game because if the Vikings can keep Kirk... um, upright and just clean out of pressure he's going to deal I know he will um with that being said if Jalen Hurts is given time to see the field and AJ Brown is given time to get open I think they're going to tear him up so it's just a conglomerate of just so much just such I think this is going to be a great great matchup and hell down the line these two teams have easy schedules and they're both good teams and if they're as good as I think they are this could be a, a battle that determines future seedings, maybe even for the one or two seed when it comes down to it, depending on how good these teams actually are. I don't know. I think uh, I think if you're going to have to force me to pick, I think right now I'm just going to go with the Vikings because I'm more confident in Kirk Cousins as a quarterback, even though it is primetime, and he's only 2-9 in primetime, both ones coming against the Bears. But I have more faith in Kirk Cousins as a player and Justin Jefferson. I do with Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown. So I think I'll go with the Vikings, even though they're on the road. And now the more, this is kind of an exciting and intriguing game to me now, more so than just because I'm the Bills fans, but it's because mainly because of the injury reports that came out. The Bills were favored by 10 points. I believe they still are, but I think that line should change because... The injury reports finally came out, and while the Titans will be down Dontrell Hilliard, who was decent last week as a receiving back, they're down one of their corners, Christian Fulton, and then a backup offensive tackle, the Bills are now down Ed Oliver, who is ruled out, who is a big run defender for them, Tim Settle, another, they're probably their second best or even first best run defender, another defensive tackle, is doubtful, so I don't think he's going to play either. So if you have your two best run defenders out against Derrick Henry, not a good recipe. And then, not to mention, to add insult to injury, Dane Jackson and Gabe Davis were both added to this to the injury report. And that's that's not good for them because Gabe Davis is obviously their number two wide receiver. And if he's out, who's going to step up? And Gabe Davis has had big weeks. He was huge last week, he was huge against the Chiefs in the playoffs. He comes in big, and he's their number two now, and um, he was listed as questionable, and reports came out today prior to me recording this that he is more close to doubtful to play than he is questionable. So it is more and more likely seeming like he is not going to play. And then also Dane Jackson, who was their number one cornerback last week. With I mean, Trey White is already out for many games because he's coming off his ACL. Dane Jackson was their number one guy that they had to... Uh, to kind of fill in for him well now he might not play so if the bills are down their number one essentially corner are they good they're going to need to go to Kyer Elam and Christian Benford two rookies as one and two corners now Benford played well last week as a number two corner and Kyer Elam was meh coming in and out so are you going to be put a decent number two corner rookie and move him over to um, your number one corner and then put Elam as a, se- a second I I just don't know and if all four of those guys are out your number two receiver your number one corner and your number one and number two defensive tackles are all out this isn't looking good for the Bills because outside of Gabriel Davis I know that the Bills get a ton of credit for having depth at wide receiver personally I think that their wide receiver core is extremely overrated Outside of Stefan Diggs, and I think that Gabe Davis is good, although still unproven, if you take Gabe Davis out, your number two would be Isaiah McKenzie, who he's a decent slot guy, Jamison Crowder, who's a decent slot guy, and then who else? I mean, a rookie, Khalil Shakir, who was inactive last week, Jake Kumaro, a special teams player, what the heck is going on here? It's not good for the Bills if they're out. And the Bills cannot run the ball, and the Titans do not let much up in the run game, even though they did let a ton up to Saquon Barkley. The Bills have no one close to the talent of Saquon Barkley in that backfield. So that's a huge issue, and it's, it's, it's kind of scary to see as a Bills fan. Now, on the Tennessee Titans side of things, like I said, they have a cornerback out, but other than that, they're coming in relatively full strength. Now, Traylon Burks, Robert Woods, they're going to need to step up more than they did last week, last week they didn't do much and the Titans really desperately need someone to fill in that wide receiver that that wide receiver one role because A.J. Brown is gone Julio Jones is gone and last week it was I believe Kyle Phillips um some just just a kind of no-name wide receiver who's actually on their injury report this week who had the most receiving yards and I believe he had like 66 or something like that so if he doesn't play this week I mean What are they going to do? What the heck is going to happen with the the Titans on offense? It's just, I don't know. It's really going to be a war of attrition right now. And Derrick Henry always goes off and he always is able to have big games. The Bills have historically held him in check for the most part. But last year, Derrick Henry was a beast and he broke big runs. And yeah, just crazy. So it's really a depleted defense in the um, Titans after losing uh, Harold Landry, obviously, to his to his injury. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, I don't know. I, I can see this game going either way. As much as everyone's saying that the Bills are going to destroy the Titans, I don't think so. The Titans didn't play any of their starters in the preseason. Last week was essentially their first preseason game. I expect Derrick Henry to be running full speed, especially with the absence of Ed Oliver and maybe Tim Settle. I expect Ryan Tannehill to want a bounce back week and Mike Vrabel as a coach coming off a loss in primetime as an underdog, that's scary. He's gonna have his team juiced up and ready to go. Now for the Buffalo Bills, their offense is still elite, they have Josh Allen. The depth concerns me at wide receiver. Josh Allen will be able to make do with whoever he has for the most part, but every quarterback, even we see it with Aaron Rodgers. Once you take away everybody, it's very, very hard to find someone to throw to. And now obviously Josh Allen isn't without everybody. He still has Dixie just without his number two, but he still has a number one guy. And even though he has a lack of depth, he should be able to make things happen. But either way, it's scary. The Titans pass rush against the Bills' weak offensive line is a little scary as well. So what's going to happen? God only knows. I, I really have no idea which way this game is going to go. If I had to choose though, I would side with the Bills Just because it is their home opener, it is the first Monday night primetime game that the Bills have had at home with fans in almost 20 years. Now, they had one during the COVID season in Josh Allen's third year, so 2020. They had a home game, I believe it was against the Steelers. It was a home Monday night football primetime game, but fans weren't allowed at the time. So this is the first Monday night primetime game at home that the Bills have had in so long. Fans are going to be rowdy. Um, Trust me, I live in the Buffalo area. A couple of schools have already given kids half days um, just because there's so much stadium traffic. I I worked um, pretty much all morning, um, right to about noon, and I got in super early, about 5 a.m., and at about 7 a.m., the store was not, not really full because it's still early morning, but a ton of people in Bills um, uniforms. It was storming like crazy when I was driving to school and there were a bunch of Bills fans just out walking around. I drove past a bunch of Bills backer bars and stuff like that on my way to school and there's just Bills fans everywhere. Parking lots are full. You see people in Bills uniforms everywhere. It's going to be rowdy. And I think that the Bills are going to be able to pull it out, but I do not think it's going to be by as much as 10 points. So, yeah, I guess I'm choosing Bills and Vikings. Um, for, the, for the winners for these games, for the score predictions, I'll say Bill's win, I'll say 23 to 17. And then for the Eagles Vikings, I think that's going to be a bit of a higher scoring game. I think it's going to be 34 to 28 Vikings. And those are my predictions. And now finally, what I wanted to do, is what i mentioned earlier just a little bit of a segment um people asking a lot about these teams these are the most controversial teams to everybody and i'm going to call it in or out am i in or out on these teams in that case i plan to do this a lot um i'm going to be in or out on hot takes that i get from you guys hopefully in or out on teams and stuff as it goes on but i thought it would be fun and so i just really wanted to debut this sort of segment with you guys here now and so for starters The number, well, the first team, honestly, the most popular team that's been coming on is the Bengals. So in or out on the Bengals, I'm out. You guys know that I've been very, very down on the Bengals throughout really the whole offseason. I thought Joe Burrow got too much hype. I thought that they got way too much hype for going to the Super Bowl when I think it was a little bit of a fluke. And even though they rebuilt their offensive line, I said it would take time to gel and it sure looks like it has 13 sacks in two weeks, 0-2. I'm out. Next up, Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm in. I think I'm buying in. And will I look like a fool? Maybe, because it's still early and they have a rough schedule. But they looked good week one. They did, and I think they should have won that game. And week two, they looked incredible and shut out the Colts, who were supposed to be the division favorites. So... I think I'm going to say that I'm in on the Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence looks like he's taking that step. He finally has some decent weapons around him. And Doug Peterson seems like he's doing well as a massive upgrade from Urban Meyer. So Jaguars, I am in. Next up, Miami Dolphins, I'm in. Uh, I think that I saw something from Tua this week. He made a statement. And while I still want to see him do this over a long period of time before I'm fully buying in, I think that just with the team that he has around him, it's hard for Tua to be bad. And what do I mean by that? You have to, you have Tyreek Hill. You have Jalen Waddle, You have a creative, to say the least, play caller. I mean, it's still early. It's only week two. You have a solid defense and some good weapons all over the place. As long as he plays average and he's a game manager, I think he will be solid. In hell, it's just like Alabama. Honestly, right now. I'm not comparing the Dolphins to Alabama, but at Alabama... Tua was able to just sling the ball all over the yard to a bunch of Heisman winner caliber receivers like J- Jalen Waddell, um, What's his name? Jameson Williams and the lot like that. And he's kind of doing that now. He has Tyree kill, Jalen Waddle. He's just slinging the ball all, all over the yard, six touchdowns, two picks, but mainly the comeback from 21 points down. Dolphins for now, I'll say that I'm in. Colts, I'm out. I picked them to win the division. I thought they would. Do I still think that they can, yes, but they don't look good. And I don't mean that I'm out as in, I think they're gonna go 3-12 or 3- what is it, 14? Well 3-13 and 1 because they have a tie. But I no longer think that they can that they could pull out a 12-5 record. I no longer think that they can contend legitimately like they did last season. I no longer think that they I don't even think they're as good as they were last season. Last season they were the team that nobody wanted to play in the playoffs. And I mean, they never made the playoffs eventually, but anyways, now they just don't look like a threat at all. They play the chiefs next week. The chiefs are honestly, if the line didn't change to have the chiefs favored by like 20 points, obviously not that much, but I'd be surprised. I'm already locking in the chiefs as the victor for next week because the Colts are just terrible. Kansas city's favored by a touchdown right now. So, and the Colts are at home. So they're essentially saying that the chiefs are 10 points better. Than the Colts and yeah that sounds about accurate to me Colts right now I'm out Broncos I'm out Russ looked terrible like I said he can't cook Nathaniel Hackett two games and he's already made so many blunders with play calling and stuff like that he just he just doesn't look ready for the job terrible clock management offense can't get anything going they don't look like they know what they're doing it, it, it's just a mess you didn't let Russell Wilson throw the ball when you should have last week, but then this week, when you should run the ball, when you're on the goal line and you have four total tries, you throw the ball every single time instead of giving it to Javante Williams or Melvin Gordon, just having it run it up the gut. Stupid play calling, stupid clock management, stupid everything for the Broncos. And losing to the Seahawks, probably close to losing, if not should have lost to the Texans. I'm out. Giants, starting off 2 0, starting off hot. Unfortunately, I am out. On uh, the Giants. They beat two bad teams. It's simple as that. Yes, it's nice to see him go for it. It's nice to see Saquon have his nice little week one kind of comeback. But Daniel Jones still looks below average. And the, the team in general, they're, they're rebuilding. They don't have the weapons that they need. Saquon Barkley can't carry them. They don't have the receivers they need. Daniel Jones, he was supposed to take a step under table. He hasn't taken a step, if anything. He's just still flatlining. Still harshly average. I'm out on the Giants, even though the hype might say otherwise. Ravens, after that heartbreaking loss, I'm in. I'm still in. Lamar Jackson, like I said, he had a perfect pass rating for most of the game. He had over 100 yards rushing. Now, Lamar Jackson is pretty much the backbone of this entire team. He is their run game, and he is their pass game as the quarterback. They need to fix that, but I do have faith that J.K. Dobbins will be back, and they'll be able to fix that. They, ha- they suffered a ton of injuries on the defense. I don't think their defense will choke away another 21-point lead. I think that they'll be better for that. And I think that the Ravens losing. I think that it was good for them to lose this game. I think that the Ravens start slow typically in games and then tend to finish slow as well. I think that losing in such a way where they started slow, got super hot, and then finished slow, I think it, it's going to help wake them up. Because last week against the Jets, they started slow, and then finish slow and let the Jets come back a little, but they still won. So they're like, okay, we're fine. Now, now they did it this week. They lost. Now I think they're going to be in tune to what's going on and realize they need to finish and start faster. I'm still in on the Ravens. Buccaneers may surprise you guys, but I'm out. I I still think that they could win their division because their division sucks. Honestly, I thought that the Panthers could be good. I thought the Saints had some promise. I think the Saints still might. Panthers, I'm kind of out on right now, but I don't know. Falcons, they're not good either. But the Bucs, God. I mean, with all the injuries, it's no fault to their own, but they just don't look good. And Tom Brady, he has so much going on with Giselle, with losing a bunch of weapons, with just being tired. Hell, he had that interview. He looked gaunt. He looked like he lost 100 pounds. He just, I, I don't want, and I don't mean that in an insulting way, it's just, I think there's a lot going on with this team underneath everything, underneath it all. And I think that there's a lot of things that need to be figured out. I think they'll still win the division, at least. But I'm out on them being a contender for a Super Bowl right now. Rams, this one's tough. I, I'm going to say that I'm in because, I, I don't know. It, it's very hard because they got whooped by the Bills and then almost lost to the Falcons. But I think it's still too early for me to officially write them off, and they did eventually have that win. I think, I think that Matt Stafford just needs to kind of settle into everything. I think they're trying to compensate too much for a loss last week. I think they just need to take a deep breath and get back to being themselves. I have too much faith in Sean McVay, too much faith in Cooper Cup, too much faith in Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Matt Stafford, that even though they've had a few bad games, I think that they can pull things out and really contend in a weak NFC. Patriots, I'm out. Week one, they lost to the Dolphins, but they always lose to the Dolphins in Florida. I was willing to give them another shot. Matt Patricia as an offensive coordinator, it's not working. We just need to say it. It's just not working. I'm out. Their offense is anemic. Their defense isn't even that good. I don't think that they're going to be able to contend with any of the higher up teams in the AFC. I don't think they're going to be contender. I don't even think they're going to even be able to make the playoffs. I think the dolphins are head and shoulders above them. And I think the bills are heads and heads and heads and shoulders above them, uh, in their own division. And out of all the other teams in the AFC, I don't think the Patriots come close personnel wise, scheme wise, team wise. The only place that they line up with is coaching. And I don't think that bill Belichick can make up for an entire staff of coaches, even though he may seem like it. So, Last one there, the Patriots, I am out. And that's all that I have for you guys today. A little bit of a longer episode. I, I, know, I know that you guys asked what you guys said, that you'd be apt for it or well, you would enjoy it. So hopefully you guys did. Hopefully you guys stuck with me for this long. If not, maybe it's a two-part or something like that. Either way, thanks so much for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. Hope you guys enjoy the Monday Night Games tonight. I'm super excited for them. And... Great thing about football is in a few days we will have Thursday night football. Um, Wednesday, look out for another pod to be dropping. Probably recapping the Monday night games, previewing the Thursday night game, any other news that may have come out, whether it be injury related or something of the sort. And yeah, like I said, um, that's all I have today. Make sure to check me out on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Anchor, um, and then shoot me some DMs. Shoot me hot takes to, for the new segment in and out. Tell me you guys how tell me how you guys liked it as well. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Gabe underscore Tune in there for all the alerts, updates. You'll know whenever I post a pod, you'll see my takes on certain things. So yeah, tune in there as well. With that being said, have a great rest of your day, folks. <laughs> Go Bills. Peace out, guys. Have a good one.